Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Joe Biden met with Russian President Vladimir Putin this morning in a much-anticipated summit between the two heads of state. Of course, the meeting was little more than a glorified photo op, but the press ate it up. We'll talk about why this is just getting bizarre. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. The big meeting between Putin and Biden. Not exactly Stalin and FDR and Churchill at Yalta. I mean, what are they really talking about here? There's some issues to be sure, but how much are they going to move the football up or downfield? Not very much. That was clear beforehand. So what did the media do? See, here's an opportunity where you have the presentation of Biden as president in a way we haven't really seen him before. Astride the globe, on the world stage, being a great statesman and, you know, all that stuff. The actual substance is much less relevant. They don't really care. So what do they do? They create these narratives about how he is being tough. I mean, he's like Clint Eastwood staring down the bandits in an old Western. I mean, Biden, you can just feel his glare through those aviators, right? That's what we're supposed to think. Here's a perfect example of it, uh, giving Biden a verbal back rub, as they always do over at CNN. Here's Jim Shuto, former Obama administration State Department uh, employee, by the way. Here you go. 
You know, these moments are about moments. And I'll tell you one moment I noticed there in the Biden-Putin interaction. The handshake, Biden looked Putin in the eye with a smile, Putin looked away. Again, you don't want to read too much or too little, but, but again, these are about public posturing. It's about how you project strength. And that, that was a notable moment to me. <laughs> I mean, sure, man, whatever. Very, very notable, very notable. These two, these titans. I mean, Joe Biden forgets where he is sometimes, right? We're not, we're not going to live in this fantasy land where we all have to pretend like Joe Biden is some uh, second coming of Talleyrand or Metternich, right? We, we get that this is not a guy who has some incredible acumen, some skill set. I mean, this is the stuff that they want you to believe. What evidence is there for any of it? Uh, Shudo, by the way, not to, not to pick too much on this guy, uh, but he, he actually went to my high school, believe it or not. Here you go. Notably, no smiles from Putin or Biden. Now, this is really, he's really doing, you know, this is a guy who's a correspondent at CNN, host at CNN. He's doing a lot of analysis here. Um, I just want to note that there are plenty of photos of Putin and Biden smiling together. Why don't we go to that one, the next one? You'll see this. As if this is not, there you go, smiling, Biden and Putin. But you see, because they've created, and this is why this matters, because the press, in order to undermine Donald Trump's victory in 2016 with their fantasy land fairy tale of Russia collusion, they want to turn this into some kind of a, a great standoff. They, they want to act like Joe Biden is the, the first person in years to look at the boogeyman, Vladimir Putin, and tell him that he's not scared and America won't be scared. And um, are we little kids? Are we being told a bedtime story? Is that what's really going on here? Well, there are some very grown up kids out there, like a former CIA director who seems intent on ruining the brand of the CIA. I'm going to have to excise it from my resume entirely soon. Here's John Brennan talking about how, unlike Trump, Biden sat in his chair with, you know, I don't know, whatever, with his legs crossed and didn't fidget and he's amazing or some such nonsense. Play it. Joe Biden is somebody who has been engaged on the foreign scene, foreign policy, international affairs for about half a century. So unlike a Donald Trump, who really was a novice, an amateur, um, and stumbled through these issues. By the way, ran uh, on being an amateur, right? Like, uh, yes. outed the fact. But when Vladimir Putin would look at Donald Trump, he knew that Donald Trump didn't understand these issues at all. But Joe Biden, who has seen the evolution of them over the years, he realized that uh, Vladimir Putin realizes that Joe Biden is deeply knowledgeable about these issues and can talk substantively in a way that Donald Trump never could. Joe Biden sometimes looks like he doesn't know if he's brushing his teeth or waiting in line for the blue plate special. Give me a break, folks. This is what we're actually being told by people who are supposed to be the experts on TV. Yes, Biden has such a great understanding of these issues. Where has he shown such tremendous wisdom in his foreign policy in the past? Where has he made not even just a good decision, a momentous one? Uh, I mean, people would say, oh, the shooting of Osama bin Laden, for example. Um, they waited months and months and were absolutely certain. And even still, there were there was some dissent, right? And who knows whether Biden was really the guy pushing for that or that's after the fact. Um, Biden was against it, the control just tells me. So there, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Hillary was, I think, the one who was for it. Biden was against, so he, the one time I try to find where Joe Biden was actually, maybe by accident even, on the right side of a major international challenge, it turns out, control, no, no, he's on, he's against it, folks. 
So this guy, and that was an obvious decision. Oh, it was a gutsy call, he said. No, it was not, not that hard a decision to make under the circumstances. Um, but anyway, John Brennan, former CIA and, and very left-wing stooge uh, saying that stuff. But you'd think that the press, maybe because they're, they're just in a frenzy, they're, they're frothy-mouthed at the attempt uh, to create Biden as global statesman as the takeaway from all this. That's what you're really supposed to believe. And as I said, forget about the, uh, uh, you know, the really long, awkward pause thing that he did when asked about Putin. Forget it. You're not allowed to think about that. You're supposed to think instead about the fact that uh, he's just been doing this a long time, so he must be good at it. You know, Putin's been doing this a long time too, folks. There are a lot, a lot of uh, dictators, a lot of uh, heads of state even, who have been in the game for quite a while. That's not some big differentiator and it doesn't result in good outcomes in many instances as we've seen throughout history. Um, but you'd think the press might at least get a little bit of, a little bit of love from, from good old Amtrak Joe. Don't want to call him Uncle Joe, right? I guess he's Grandpa Joe now, Uncle Joe like Stalin. Unfortunately, what Churchill referred to him as, which was not one of his finer moments. Uh, here is Uncle Joe with the press though. Uh, Caitlin Collins actually of CNN, who was asking him, a, let's credit where it's due, asking a real question. This is how, how Joe Biden responds. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. What the hell? What do you do all the time? So when did I say I was confident? You I said, said in the next six months said, we'll be able to determine. What I said was, let's get it straight. I said what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. Just stating the fact. But given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks, he downplayed human rights abuses, he even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President, President Putin? President? You don't understand that, you're in the wrong business. Wow. Is that mansplaining? I'm just, I just, does that not count as mansplaining when the leader of the free world is unnecessarily a big jerk to a, uh, a young female reporter for CNN in this case. Is, is, that, is that a thing that you think might be treated differently if it were a Republican president? No, instead Joe comes out and he lashes out at the media like an angry old man who's just had the neighborhood kids run through his petunia patch on a bicycle. But yeah, he's, he's a brilliant global statesman, folks. How much of the propaganda do you think we're going to have to stomach? How long are we going to have to say, uh, so that emperor is naked, right? No, no, there's clothing on him. Sure there is. All right, after the break, we got more on this, on the uh, big Biden meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin, with former chief of staff to the acting secretary of defense, my friend Kash Patel. Stay with us for that. Are you ready for the next national disaster? If we've learned one thing recently, is that the unthinkable can happen at any minute. The best way to ensure your survival is to prepare now with an emergency stockpile of food from My Patriot Supply. They're America's preparedness leader, giving millions peace of mind for an uncertain future. But don't wait until it's too late. Act now before there's a stock market crash, more civil unrest, natural disaster, or worse. My Patriot Supply has served millions of families for over a decade, earning 39,000 four and five star reviews. Their food is specially packaged to stay fresh and delicious for 25 years. And unlike other emergency foods, each meal provides 2,000 much-needed calories when you need the most. If you act now, you'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. 
Just go to preparewiththefirst.com right now to save 25% on a valuable four-week kit. That's Prepare With The First right now. You'll save 25% on that four-week kit. President Biden is closing out his seven-day trip to Europe following today's meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. So was anything achieved, diplomatically speaking? Well, joining me now to help answer that question is the former Chief of Staff to the Acting Secretary of Defense, Cash Patel. Cash, good to see you. Buck, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start. Before we get into some of the optics, which will be amusing given that Joe Biden is involved in them, I just want to know, was there supposed to be a diplomatic takeaway from this? Or is it really just a big discussion about tone and about Russia collusion not existing anymore, but the people are still supposed to be super terrified of Russia, except Joe Biden's staring him down? I mean, what, what are we supposed to take from this? I think the only takeaway the Biden administration wanted that was that to appease the media friends that they have. That's how they've been deciding national security decisions since he's come into office. So that theme didn't shift when they took on President Putin of the Russian Federation. And it seems the media is puppeting their uh, his lack of victory by saying Putin met with Trump, with Biden, excuse me, and there's much to discuss. That's about as bad as a diplomatic engagement as you can have. I, what what should have been, if, if, if Biden, let's say, were anywhere near cash as uh, skilled in international diplomacy as the press corps is desperate to try to, I, they're trying to make other people, I think, believe that they themselves, the press corps really believe this. I don't, I don't even think that they can say this with, that, with a straight face for that long, but let's assume that he was, just for the purpose of discussion. What should have been a discussion like between Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden? Like, what, what would you have wanted to have occurred and, and perhaps been a takeaway? That's a great question. So when you try to thaw diplomatic relations with one of your adversaries and one of the greatest global powers in the, in the world, what you do is you secure the interest of your nation, America. And you do that by saying, you can't keep attacking our infrastructure, our cybersecurity apparatus. You need to tell us what you did. And the other thing you did, and you know this from your jobs in the past and decades of history, is when you thaw diplomatic relations, there is a return of hostages. There are two American hostages sitting in a Russian prison who are former Marines. And I don't even know if that topic of conversation was brought up, but you know President Trump led with those two things, national security and American citizens everywhere around the world, including DPRK, where he returned 43 remains from the Korean conflict. That's how important it was to him. It also seems as though, and this would be true uh, on the Russia issue and, and Russian uh, diplomatic relations, but more generally, the Biden administration talks about, you know, rest restoring relations with uh, Iran, you know, or, or, or you know, reestablishing a higher level of connectivity with the mullahs, uh, and ratcheting things down with Putin and Russia. But aren't we supposed to get something in exchange for this? It feels like Biden goes around so far, and it's early, and he would say 120 days or whatever, even though it's been like 150 now. Uh, but anyway, he would say that, or you could look at this and, and come away with it thinking, what does the U.S. get out of it? Whether, you know, it's foreign aid, going to Hamas uh, and the increase in that and the foreign aid going to Central America. What are we getting? That's the, with Russia it's, specifically. 
that that's exactly it. Right now, the apology tour continues, and the media is saying, oh, all the diplomatic leaders around the world, like Macron, are saying America is back. Back from what? Back from securing our national security, back from rescuing hostages, back from crushing terrorism, back from trouncing on Iran, back from safeguarding the national security interests of America. I don't want to be back from that. I want to go to that. And this step by Biden has been a, just a continuation of the apology tour that Obama started. And look where we are. We've been under attack in his first five months three times on our national security infrastructure. And he meets with Russia and doesn't talk about our hostages. And we don't have any fidelity for the press corps because they were completely shut out of these meetings. And then he, Joe Biden, says he wants to be on the world stage, yet he won't get on a podium next to Vladimir Putin to be on the world stage with the press corps. If you're gonna be on the world stage, be on the world stage and take a question. Biden said something today about how he let Putin know that they have very, that the US government, the US uh, national security apparatus has very robust cyber capabilities, which you and I both know to be true, but it was a pretty boilerplate, broad ranging, <laughs> okay, well, you told Putin that we have, we have real capabilities to do something about what they're doing, I suppose, which is uh, the ransomware, and we believe this is all coming from Russian soil. How should we handle, I mean, this was something in your portfolio back at the DOD that would have been uh, an yeah. issue that's only increasing as time goes by. How should the Biden administration deal with what feels like a, a rise in the cyber threat and waste, right? It's one thing when some company gets all, their, gets all their information stolen from them, and you know, that's bad, but a lot of people say, well, I don't work for that company. When you're shutting down pipelines, people pay, people pay attention. Even pay attention when your gas goes to four or five bucks a gallon. What they should be doing is continuing at least one avenue of crippling economic sanctions against Russian Federation and Russian diplomats and Russian agents, like President Trump did to shut down the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And what does President Biden do? turns the pipeline back on and lifts the sanctions that we levied against these guys who own that company. And now the European powerhouse that is Germany is going to be powered solely by the Russian Federation. That is not a national security win for the United States of America. And just Joe Biden's foreign policy acumen in general, it was said by, uh, I know you, you worked for the Secretary of Defense's chief of staff for a while, it was said by Gates, who was, I believe, both a CIA director and a secretary of defense in his time, that Biden had been reliably wrong on every major foreign policy decision <laughs> of the last 40 years. And yet, just by being around that long and, and having some attachment to the foreign policy world, Joe Biden is considered a steady and wise hand on this. I mean, it seems to me like he's a guy who's got... His record of failure is so long that people are really are, are, are merely impressed by the duration. Well, you're right. He's been running for president for the last half century. So he's taking three sides of every position that has two sides. And he's just recycled through them till they got him to work. And now we have him as a president who won't take a hardline stance against Russia and Vladimir Putin and won't face the press corps to say, what did we discuss? Did you talk about hostages? Did you talk about our cybersecurity infrastructure? Did you tell President Putin that he cannot mess with America without there being consequences? No, instead he nodded at a reporter who said, do you trust President Putin? Joe Biden nodded yes. That is a terrible position for the commander in chief to be in. I remember when there was so much imaginary Russia collusion that a lot of Democrats <laughs> believe there was an imaginary Putin under their bed just waiting to attack them in the middle of the night. But here we are, Joe Biden saying he trusts him. Cash, good to see you, man. Thanks for joining.
Thanks so much, Buck. Appreciate it. With inflation on the rise, the vast majority of Americans are beginning to feel the pain in their wallets. So what should the government do to alleviate the dollar's declining power? Trish Regan, host of the Trish Intel podcast, joins us next to give some insights. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in today is anything but predictable. The government is passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency. And many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Trust. Give them a call, 833-600-GOLD. Inflation is here, my friends, and unfortunately, it's not going anywhere. It might just actually be getting worse. U.S. wholesale prices jumped again in May for the fifth month in a row, with the producer price index rising 0.8% last month. And today, the Federal Reserve voted to leave interest rates unchanged. Here's what Fed Chair Jerome Powell had to say. The process of reopening the economy is unprecedented, as was the shutdown at the onset of the pandemic. As the reopening continues, shifts in demand can be large and rapid, and bottlenecks, hiring difficulties, and other constraints could continue to limit how quickly supply can adjust, raising the possibility that inflation could turn out to be higher and more persistent than we expect. Here with the reaction, we got Trish Regan, host of the daily podcast, Trish Intel, and she is an expert in financial journalism. Trish, great to see you. Good to see you, Buck. So, I am not an expert in financial journalism, Trish, but Trish, <laughs> but when I hear higher than expected inflation, that doesn't sound good. Listen, I'm just ready to throw a party though, because they actually are recognizing that we have inflation. I have been pounding the table since January saying, guys, hello, prices are going up. Just look around, right? It's natural, Buck. When the economy improves and people go back to work and they start resuming their lives and they get vaccinated and then they, they, they get to go on vacation and do all the things that they used to do, plus they're flush with cash, thanks to Uncle Joe and those stimulus checks. Well, guess what? 
things get better. And when things get better, prices will naturally go up. So the fact that they couldn't see this one coming, come on. I mean, and by the way, they're leaving rates low, still at record lows. They did admit, Buck, they're willing to, to up them in 2023, at the end of 23, instead of waiting to 2024. And I'm like, come on. I mean, what are we going to be looking at by 2023 if we continue on this very inflationary trajectory? It's going to be like, I don't know, the 1970s all over again. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Trish, I mean, what's, what's a realistic view of how things, what will things look like under this Biden administration? So that gives us a roughly you know, three three years and change from now horizon. But, you know, over the next couple of years, let's say, next few years, um, if, if they don't tackle inflation properly, what do you think people could actually see? I think you could actually see a return to stagflation, which we really haven't seen since the 70s, because I don't believe that the economic growth is going to keep up with the inflation that we're seeing. I mean, it's all fine and dandy right now because the economy is reopening, which is enabling right this acceleration in prices. But what happens once, you know, people kind of settle in and the economy sort of goes back to normal and we're back in that sort of ho-hum environment where, by the way, they're threatening taxes and they're threatening more regulation and they're doing all the things that basically suppress business and suppress job growth. Well, if that happens and you've got higher prices, then you are in an inflationary yet low growth period, which equals stagflation. So that's my concern. Look, the other concern here is, and I'm sorry, but you run the risk that the Fed has created once again, Buck, another bubble. They do it over and over and throughout my career. I mean, you look back to the tech boom and bust, you look back to what happened with the, the subprime mortgages in 2008 and the financial meltdown that ensued. All of that, in my view, was very much Federal Reserve induced. I mean, specifically talking about 08, it was Alan Greenspan who left rates way too darn low for way too darn long, which encouraged every Tom, Dick and Harry that maybe shouldn't have been buying a house to buy a house and you got riskier and riskier lending practices. Again, lots of blame to go around, but let's not excuse the fact that the Federal Reserve had a hand in it. So now what is the Fed doing? The Fed's leaving rates too low for too long, depreciating the value of our U.S. dollar, causing inflation and, and creating this sort of acceleration in both market prices and every other asset price around. So I have real concerns about the future, and it's not entirely just Biden's fault, it's also Jerome's. When do rates have to go up? I mean, this is a question that I think people have been asking for so long that we start to think that they will just be basically where they are for the foreseeable, Trish. I mean, doesn't the bond market get a say in this? I mean, aren't there some forces that could start to push, uh, start to effectively make higher rates a necessity or can the financial manipulation just continue indefinitely? Well, you know, that's that's a big question because I think if you ask some of these Federal Reserve board governors, they kind of believe that their manipulation, and that's a great word to use, their financial manipulation works. I don't because I do think that at some point there's a reckoning, if you would, and the bond market's part of that. I mean, you look at the 10-year yield today, right? The, the cost of borrowing from the U.S. for the U.S. government went up a bit, and and one should expect that that will continue going higher. That's that's kind of a problem in and of itself, right? Because 
once our, our debt becomes so expensive just to service that we get a whole other set of problems. But I, I think that the, the, the handwriting is on the wall. Rates will need to go up. The Fed should kind of get out in front of it, Buck, right? However they can so that it doesn't become a disaster. Larry Summers, who, by the way, is no um, conservative, right? He, he's championed all kinds of liberal economic policies for years. Years He was the former Treasury Secretary to Bill Clinton. He was the former head of the, the National Economic Council under Barack Obama. He's come out with repeated warnings saying, guys, you know, this is not good. The Fed runs the risk of overreacting. The Fed runs the risk of creating another asset bubble. There are all kinds of problems on the horizon right now. And, and I don't see it necessarily playing out so perfectly in the next three years. Believe me, I hope it does. I hope it does for all of us. But if it doesn't, remember, this is somewhat self-induced. And Trish, it feels like right now, People aren't really, you know, we've got to rely on the media for information about a lot of this stuff. They're telling us, you'll hear them say from the Biden White House, whether it's the press secretary or other people that are, are tied in to this administration, you know, we're recovering. And, and clearly because of the end of COVID, New York has gotten rid of all mandates, New York State at least, gotten rid of all the mandates that had been there. Other states are now really people have dropped the masks. I mean, there's more restaurants look like they used to. I mean, we're at this point. So things are getting better, but there's also the sense of, could this go faster or could this actually start to go in the wrong direction, right? I mean, how would you gauge the real trajectory of where this economy is four months into the Biden administration versus where you think it should be? Well, I mean, it could be even better, right? Like, I mean, I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'll, I'll take it. I'm glad that restaurants are opening up and things are getting better, but it could be even better. And and don't forget the, the overhang of the Barack Obama, Joe Biden years for eight years, right? We saw barely any growth. We should have gotten tremendous growth because we were coming out of 08 and it was a disaster. We should have been just rip-roaring, um, growth-oriented, et cetera, but we weren't. And that was because of the policy chatter and the policy talk, right? That matters, Buck. Policy matters. And so if we keep hearing about how they're going to tax everyone and they're going to tax every business and they're going to go after this one and that one, well, that's going to have a very um, negative effect on growth. And and I would, you know, I, I wish... I wish we could see a repeat. I wish this didn't have to be political. Let me just say that because to me, growth is what we should all want. And so I would love it if they would just lower taxes for businesses and for individuals across the board. I'd love to see them get out of the way, less regulation, do all the things that really free up enterprise so that businesses can operate in tip top shape. But we're not gonna see that. We're not gonna get that. They're the antithesis of that in fact. And so that's the danger. It could be better. I'll take what we've got, but going further out, if we don't have policies, economic policies that, that are able to support this growth, if we creep towards socialism, I'm sorry, like all bets are off. Trish Regan, everybody, check out the Trish Intel podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. For more oh, and insights. I'm in for Jesse tonight. Oh, and she's so in coming for up. Jesse. She's in for Jesse Kelly tonight here on The First, so make sure you stick around for that. Trish, thank you so much. The debate over critical race theories getting more heated by the day and parents in a Virginia county are leading the fight against the woke curriculum. My good friend Ned Ryan lives in Loudoun County, Virginia. And when we return, 
They'll tell us what's going on at those school board meetings. Stay tuned. Parents are speaking up all across the country to keep critical race theory out of their children's classrooms. Loudoun County, Virginia has been making recent headlines as teachers and parents there continue to push back against the woke curriculum, rallying for education, not indoctrination. Our next guest lives in Loudoun County, and he joins us now to tell us what's been going on. Ned Ryan, founder and CEO of American Majority and author of the new book, which I'm very excited about, The Adversaries, A Story of Boston and Bunker Hill. I feel like I'm drinking a pint with Sam, a Sam Adams, getting ready for the Redcoats, just reading the title, Ned, but great to have you, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, good to have you. And again, I'd point out to the uh, viewers, it was blurred by this Buck Sexton guy. So it's got to be a good book. Got to be a good book, um, folks. But well, before, know, I, before we get into the book, Ned, I mean, let's, let's talk about the CRT fight. Right. Why, is, why is Loudoun County getting all this attention right now? What's actually going on down there in your district? Boy, I got to tell you, it's become something that's really accelerated over the last 18 months and gone on steroids where this Loudoun County School Board has decided uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to ram indoctrination down our students' throats. And I've been in Loudoun County about 16 years now, and I have a younger sister-in-law that actually is a teacher in the Loudoun County school system. I got to tell you, this last year has been unbelievable in which they have ignored parents, they have ignored the will of their constituents and said, we're going to do whatever we want to. And yeah, we're going to have critical race theory. We're even going to use Southern Poverty Law Center book as a resource inside classrooms. And, you know, there's a, there's a couple of things that are just slightly wrong with this. They take 65 percent of my property taxes to fund the school systems here to the tune of about one point four billion, almost one point five billion annually here in Loudoun to then indoctrinate my children uh, in what are deeply un-American ideas. And, and you know, the, the amazing thing about the left they keep on saying, well, you don't even really know what critical race theory is. Yes, I do. It's Marxism according to race, not class. I'm not an idiot. It's amazing that there's uh, such a, a rapidly shifting uh, version of the defense of the critical race theory that you see, right? Uh, because a week or two ago, you'll remember, Barack Obama was basically laughing at this idea. Oh, the, all these crazy right-wingers and their critical, ra oh, critical race theory is such a big concern. And we weren't having it, right? We go, oh, no, it is a concern. We see what's going on, especially because a lot of parents have been at home during Zoom sessions and have right. caught on to some of the indoctrination stuff. And they can see what's being emailed to their children for you know, study lessons about, about CRT. So they, they've moved, and this could go back, of course, right? They, they are always playing hide the football here. But they, they move from CRT is nothing for you to be worried about to now it's, well, unless you have a PhD in CRT, Nobody cares what you think about it, right-wingers. And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think that's going to fly, Ned. I think people are realizing there's something up. Yeah, no, it's not going to fly. And I think the thing that's interesting here in Loudoun County is how a lot of this crosses over party lines, Democrats, independents, Republicans. And, you know, about half the people that were polled in a recent poll uh, realize that critical race theory is a real problem. You know, I think what's really going to sink this school board is the fact when you have Democrats and independents going, we didn't sign up for you to remove advanced math classes and the other advanced classes for our children to actually succeed in life. And this, this Loudoun County School Board, but a lot of school districts across Virginia have of course removed advanced math classes and other things. That's not playing well with Democrats and independents. So I think by the time you get this coalition together of people that are deeply offended, like myself with critical race theory and others that see real issues with what the, the school board is doing, 
by not challenging our children to actually you know, push themselves and become the best that they can be, I think it's gonna have real consequences. There's a recall effort underway. I'm pretty optimistic we're gonna get some signatures to, to remove at least one, if not two, uh, of the school board members, but to really make a statement, say we're not gonna just sit here and take this anymore. Do we know where uh, the Virginia gubernatorial candidate, Glenn Youngkin, stands on this, by the way? I know he's going up against McAuliffe in what's going to be a very uh, closely watched and hotly contested governor's race. Where, where's Glenn on? I mean, we're going to have to have him on to talk about it, but I'm wondering if you could tell me if he's taken a stand on this yet. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually, I was not the biggest fan of his in the primary, for full disclosure. Uh, I've actually been quietly impressed by him taking a pretty strong stance on some of these issues. No, I think he realizes especially in the three northern counties, which are of course critical here in Virginia, Loudoun, Prince William, and Fairfax, this is a huge issue. And I think he understands the grassroots rebellion that's taking place, and he understands he's gotta be on the right side of the issue, and so far he has been. Now let's get into this excellent and very hotly anticipated book, The Adversaries, Boston and Bunker Hill. Look, Ned, I love history. I, I do all the work I do, and, and I, I try to get as much done as possible, so at least for part of Saturday and Sunday afternoon, I can just plop down on the couch with a good old history book and dive into it. This looks like one of those for me, man. This is going to go to the top of the, top of the read pile. But what, are, what do folks need to know about your telling of it? Well, it, it's really started, the genesis of it was I've always been fascinated by the life of Dr. Joseph Warren, which book I came across in my research. There was another guy that was pretty interested in him as well, guy by the name of Ronald Reagan, who actually mentioned him in his first inaugural address and said, Dr. Joseph Warren might have been one of the greatest of the founding fathers. And then he quoted uh, from his, uh, his Boston Massacre oration on March 6, 1775, in which Warren said, our country is in danger now, but not to be despaired of. You are to decide the important questions upon which rest the happiness and liberty of millions yet unborn act worthy of yourselves. Reagan quoted that in his first inaugural address. And so I wanted to tell the story of Dr. Joseph Warren, but I really wanted to discuss the last nine or 10 months before Bunker Hill, in which Englishmen, 85% of Massachusetts at the time was direct English lineage, decided to stop talking and start shooting each other. Why did they do that? And I'll tell a really quick story. The last remaining, one of the last remaining survivors of Lexington Concord was asked, why'd you fight? Was it the Stamp Act? I never saw a stamp in my life. Was it the tea act? I didn't drink tea, didn't know anybody that drank tea. Was it because of Locke and the other philosophers? No, I only read the Bible and Isaac Watts uh, hymns. Well, then why did you fight? I fought because we'd always governed ourselves and meant always meant to, and parliament and the British ministers meant that we shouldn't. That's why they fought, because they believed they had the right to self-government based on natural inherent law that they wanted to govern themselves. And, and parliament and the king's minister said, we don't think so. You'll submit. And the rule of law is what we say it is. And we're going to pass laws and you will submit to them. And if you don't, we will compel you by force. And the American colonists led by Warren, Adams, Hancock and Revere said, we don't think so. I feel like I'm in a tavern circa 1775 or so. So, uh, Ned, exciting stuff, man. Congrats on the. Is it, is it out for everybody already? Or are we doing pre-orders or full orders? It launches tomorrow on June 17th, which happens to be, Buck, the anniversary of Bunker Hill. I did it with intent because I wanted to release on the anniversary of Bunker Hill, and I think people enjoy it. goes live in the morning. Order a copy. Order a copy for your father for Father's Day. There we go. Ned Ryan, everybody. The book is The Adversaries. The man is Ned Ryan. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. Over the years, Hunter Biden's had many jobs. Disgraced naval officer, Ukrainian energy expert. 
Bagman for family interest and a bunch of other stuff I can't say here because, you know, family show. But he's got a new gig, painter. We'll take a look at the First Son's latest racket in Quick Hits, up next. If you ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com or you can learn more about my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it. It allows everyday hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't possibly tell you in strong enough terms during the 60 second commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For You Real Estate, where you can hear my experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about everything in detail, picking the city to invest in, the house, getting the broker, the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I get that free cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends uh, a chance to show you what they can do for you. Hunter Biden's got a new racket, and his father repeats a all-too-familiar lie. We got those stories in quick kits. Let's get to it. There are Renaissance men, and then there's Hunter Biden. This guy has a whole lot of different things in his background of life. It's, he's a fascinating character, made more so by the fact that the media has thrown out all all objectivity about how they would normally cover, particularly a Republican president's adult child, right? We're not talking about kids. Kids should be off limits. Anybody under 18 that's uh, related to a politician. Well, when you're talking about somebody who's, you know, in their late 40s, early 50s, I feel like we could treat them like an adult. And I think the media could too, but they choose not to. That all said, Hunter Biden is an artiste. You may not have known this before. This is true. This is real. He's got art to sell as much as $500,000. He's going to be selling uh, art as much for as much as that, and the buyers will be kept confidential. Now, let me say, before we show you some of these masterpieces that I'm sure will be hanging in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in just a matter of, just a matter of months, uh, before we show you what this guy's up to, let's just remember that if you were to try to do this, if, if you were a politician, let's say, in office, and you took up painting, and all of a sudden someone started mysterious anonymous buyers were buying your random amateur crappy paintings for half a million bucks, this would be considered perhaps money laundering and a bribe. That's what, so people would, this would not be acceptable, but because it's going to the son of a politician in this case, because I guess they kind of already tried the whole, put him on a board seat, pay him 80 grand a month and don't have him do anything. They already tried that routine. This one is a, is a different way of funneling money to the first family. Let's take a look at some of Hunter's paintings, shall we? That is, what the heck is that? It's like some, it looks like Mars maybe, and there's, or, or seashells or something. That's a, that looks, is that like a chicken with a drumstick? Or is it, you know, this is like a Rorschach test, folks. I don't really know. Is that some kind of amoeba? Is this what you see under a microscope if you turn it in color? I don't even know, I don't know what that is. It all does look a bit like what escaped from the Wuhan lab though, I'll say that. It's like he's doing his own version of, you know, COVID, COVID in color or something. And that's what it looks like to me. Ha, would, you, would any of you 
Re real talk here, folks. Would I have to pay you a half a million dollars to hang that up in your home? Probably. Maybe 50 grand, maybe not a half a million, but I think I'd have to pay you to put that up. So just keep that one in mind. But uh, yeah, Hunter Biden is going to be making a whole bunch of money as an artiste. You say it out loud, it's hard to believe that this is the world we live in. Um, other things that are said out loud that are noteworthy. Uh, Joe Biden, the actual president, recently repeated something that you will constantly hear from the media, from Democrat politicians. Here's the problem with it. It's not true. They insist on saying that there was a murder of law enforcement that occurred on January 6th during the riot. That is not accurate. There was not any police officer who was murdered that day. We have no uh, no real evidence to support that assertion, unless you want to say that a person dying of a heart attack a day after their job as a police officer is caused by the day before's events. I mean, you know, this is, and even still, is, is that a murder? Uh, police officers have to deal with a lot of high-stress situations. They have to break up a lot of, oh, I don't know, Democrat riots on a regular basis. That's just like the way things are. But anyway, Joe, Joe Biden repeated this lie. Here's what he said. That's a ridiculous comparison. It's one thing for literally criminals to break through cordon, go into the Capitol, kill a police officer, and be held unaccountable. And it is for people objecting and marching on the Capitol and saying, you are not allowing me to speak freely. Uh, yeah. Didn't kill a police officer. Actually, the, one of the officers, the one that's best known, uh, Officer Sicknick died of a stroke. Well, there are other people, other officers and other individuals who had uh, coronary issues after this uh, event on January 6th. Anyway, they're going to keep saying it because the, the so-called insurrection is the justification for the trampling of civil rights and civil liberties of conservatives now because we're all somehow tied to this insurrection. You may have had absolutely nothing to do with it. I'm sure you didn't if you're watching this. In fact, I'm, I'm certain you didn't. Um, and you may, like me, very much think that it was really stupid and not supported at all as an, as an incident, and yet you're still supposed to be tainted by it. Anyway, Joe Biden is uh, still beloved by the press, even though he occasionally treats the press very badly, and here's an example of that. It's about a mutual self-interest. I'll take your questions, and as usual, folks, they gave me a list of the people I'm going to call on. So, uh, Jonathan, Associated Press. Thank you, sir. Uh, U.S. intelligence has said that Russia tried to interfere in the last two presidential elections and that Russia groups are behind hacks like... Whoops, I actually got that one confused with when he was being mean to Caitlin Collins in my head, the CNN reporter. But same idea. Why is he... Well, actually, different idea, but we still want to talk about it. Why is he only calling on reporters that are on a list? Why do they give him a list of people? Can't can, can he just do what other presidents do and call on a reporter? It's all got to be stage managed. All got to make sure they keep good old Grandpa Joe right on those train tracks or else the choo-choo is going to wander. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.